What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to All the Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio, in partnership with Showtime. Welcome back to another edition of All the Smoke. Happy holidays to out uh, to everyone out there. Jack, how was your holiday? Man, it was good, man. I'm just, you know, trying to be a great father for the kids, make sure they're smiling. It ain't about me no more. But family's healthy, everybody good. I have no complaints, my bro. That's good. That's good, man. Yeah, I was over here playing Santa Claus until the last minute. I was about to, the Bank of Barnes is closed for months. Yeah, man. I'm me too, bro. Man, we got Seth Curry on the show today. Man, we appreciate you stepping on and, and, and taking time out of your busy day, especially during the holidays, man. How's everything going? It's all good, man. Appreciate y'all having me on, man. Yeah, uh, talking about the holidays, man. I got, like I said, I got two kids now. So I was, my first one, my daughter's three, so she know a little bit about it. Right. Put some toys together. Yes, yes. Yeah, you just had another son, right, in, in September. What's it like to finally get that boy? Oh, it's dope. It's dope. I wanted one for sure. For sure, uh, I got two. Another hopefully, shooter. Hopefully, I'm done. Yeah, hopefully, you're hooping. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So let's hey, get hold, to on, it. Hold, hold, hold on, man. Right. Before you start, let me ask you a question. Since we're talking about all of us being Santa Claus and being broke after the holidays, <laughs> do you do do you do you and Steph trying to one up each other on, on gifts? Nah, not anymore. Not anymore. We don't we don't really see each other that much. Uh, I mean, it's hard. We getting gifts with each other. It's hard for. To get something for Steph, you know, he's, you got to be creative with it. He can get whatever you want. He, his 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 budget a little bit bigger than mine, so I'm, I'm winning. I'm winning on that on that side. Yeah, you got to stay creative. I feel that January seventh, nearly a year ago, game versus the Nets. You tested positive after spending the first quarter on the bench. Were placed in isolation at Barclays, and in, in response to that, uh, you guys had to quarantine. This all, all this quarantine and COVID is, is not new, but fairly new. 
how has that kind of affected you personally being obviously, you know, a family man, father first and husband first and foremost, but then also, you know, attending to your job? It's tough. It's tough. It's a balance. I mean, so you got a job to do. You got to go out there and, and do your job, provide for your family, play the game that you love. But at the same time, you got to try to be, be careful, take care of your family. And, you know, that's what you sign up for. If you, if you sign up to play in the league this year, you sign up for a little bit of risk going out there and possibly get, get, getting the, the virus, bringing it back home. But hopefully everybody you're around is doing their part. And the, I mean, the good part, if you, if you get it right now, nobody's getting seriously sick around the league right now. So um, that's, that's the positive part of it. Outside of kind of having a somewhat stay to yourself off the court, is there anything else that you do different from your day-to-day during the season that you didn't do since we've been in protocol and since we've been in, since we've had this pandemic? Last year it was crazy because you couldn't really get a hotel, but this year um, kind of getting back to the normal, normal routine and stuff you like to do on the road. Me personally, I'm in the hotel, go out to eat with a, with a few people every once in a while on the road. Um, so my routine don't change too much. It's more the guys that like to get out in them streets a little bit more that <laughs> might have to, to tailor it back a little bit. Jack, you might have been in trouble, bro. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle for them. You can see him yeah. I would have I would have fell right in that category. On November 18, 2020, you was traded to Philly in exchange for Josh Richardson and the draft rights to Tyler Bay from the Mavs. How do you feel about the trade initially? I thought it was a mistake initially uh, on the Mavs part, but um, but me personally, I mean, I I was I didn't know what I was getting into as far as the, the role I would have in Philly. I knew they needed shooting to spread the floor for Joe and and Ben and and do what I do. But I mean, the role it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. It was, it was a, a starting role for me, something I, I didn't do consistently over my career. So I got the chance, like I said, I got a chance to start. I got the chance to play with the ball in my hands a little bit more, play a little bit more of a playmaker on top of spreading the floor and knocking down shots. So I had my best season last year, and, and it's carried over this year. So, like I said, I'm, it was a great opportunity for me. Building team chemistry, how has it been this far? A lot going on over there. You know, Doc Rivers is a great coach, somebody me and Matt respect. How has it been this year with everything going on, building the chemistry with you guys? It's been solid. It's been solid. For, outside of Ben, everybody came back, was on a team last year for the most part. Mm-hmm. So we know we know each other. Chemistry been solid. Ben hadn't been around the team too much, so it's not like he's coming in and out of practice, in and out of games, messing up the chemistry. We kind of know who we got. Obviously, we're missing a big piece from last year, but we know who we got, and we're trying to make it work um, with, the, with the talent we have. And It's just an up-and-down season. We obviously, guys are in and out of the line with COVID. That's the biggest thing chemistry-wise. Right. Question real right. quick, Jack, before you go on. Um, I kind of find, like, obviously, being former players, I, I kind of think I know the answer, but... When all that Ben shit was going on at the beginning of the season, was that – it kind of feels like it, that you guys would probably be – you guys were still locked in the locker room. It was just really outside noise doing all the talking, or was there a little bit of rumbling inside the locker room as well? Nah, it was solid in the locker room. The only time we talked about it was obviously Doc addressed it early in the season, um, first day of training camp. And, and then the only time we talked about it was when the media come in. That Philly media, that's all they want to talk about is, right. is drama. When we get in front of them, obviously they're doing their jobs, but – when we step on the floor, like I said, we knew who we had in the locker room. We knew who was going to show up to play every day, and we trying to make it work. So, uh, we honestly, like I said, we tried, We kind of treated it like a long term injury. We knew Ben wasn't going to be there for the, for the start of the smart. season. You got to you got to adjust. Well, smart. You playing alongside with probably the best big best big man in the game right now. You know, say give him still give props to Jokic as well. 
But yeah. how I love one thing I love about Joel is I love him his personality. Uh, you know, so I, I can tell he's somebody that I can be around. Uh, obviously, he came out here one time with uh, with Jimmy Butler, and I was able to go out to eat with him and get a chance to hang around him. But how was how it playing with somebody that's so talented at, at that size, but also somebody that's a real person off the court? It's great. It's great. I mean, on the court, we we kind of like a match made in heaven. Our two games, um, just the way we fit each other. But he talented as as can be at his size, moving his feet. Can shoot the ball, handle the ball, pass. He can do all that. So um, on the court is great, but he's he getting better as a as a leader in the locker room. Um, Doc, that's one way Doc really challenged him this year to to be more a little bit more vocal, be more positive every day with the guys because you kind of go you gonna go as your best player goes. I mean, if he's bringing that energy every day and and spreading it to the other guys, we're gonna be a much better team. I mean, it's more than just coming in and getting twenty five and ten every day. You gotta you gotta bring that energy too to to make your teammates better, and he's doing that. This year. Taking it back to Charlotte, North Carolina. What was it like growing up in your home? Obviously, growing up in a basketball family, your dad did his thing. Big bro is big bro. What was it like uh, for you growing up? Um, was basketball always something you knew you wanted to do because you had two people ahead of you doing it? Or, did, you know, what did you start off doing? I mean, we started off, they put it, they, our parents wanted to play all types of sports growing up. They wanted to play any and everything. I played a lot of football and baseball with basketball growing up. Just trying to find out what I love to do, but obviously it was it was basketball because we were able to follow my dad around as much as we could. When we didn't have school, he was taking us to the games, taking us to practices, and I think that's that allowed us to to find that love of the game. And we just learned so much, just just seeping in through our brains without even knowing, and just being around NBA guys every day. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's that's kind of how we developed our competitiveness, our, our love for the game, and honestly, I. Our skill set was from that. We were always in the gym, messing around, trick shots, shooting from all over the floor. And you can see that in the way we play, especially Steph, some of, some of the stuff he does, just his creativeness. I think that came from being in the gym from, I don't even know, from an early age growing up. I mean, you mentioned it, and obviously Jack and I were both fathers in the league. And, and my last four yeah. years, my twins got to travel around with me, um, particularly that 17 championship team with your brother. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell the twins they weren't a part of the Warriors. They were trying to take Steph's trophy and KD's MVP trophy on the stage and hold that shit up. But what are some they of the They got rings. They were, Be quiet, man. They got rings. So they, they yeah, champions, bro. Yeah, they definitely official. But as at a young age, what are some of the things you remember about being around some of the players that you saw at such a young age? Because like I said, I think my my kids kind of take it for granted because they were around Kobe, Steph, KD, yeah. Chris Paul, Blake. You know, what were some of the guys you remembered being around at a younger age that you were kind of in awe of? Yeah, you say bring your you bring your kids around as much as possible. That's what I mean. People ask me how you what how, what I should do with my kids uh, growing up. I say bring them around as much as possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Like so, I love to see your kids in the gym even back then, mm-hmm. seeing them on the court running around, shooting the ball, just having fun. Um, I remember those experiences being around Muggsy Bogues, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter in Toronto when they were teammates with my pops. And we were just we were jumping in shooting games, doing a lot of crazy stuff we probably shouldn't have been doing at that age, messing up practices. But, uh, you know, what I'm saying like it's it's like I said, I think back now it's it's really how we developed our game and our skill set. And and just like I said, we didn't even know what we were doing back then, but it's right. it's, it's a big part of who we are. Right. You mentioned you guys played a bunch of different sports growing up. What was it like competing with your brother day in, day out? Was it just straight competition? Was there fights? What, what did you beat him in? 
we so we like two and a half years apart. So I was always close enough to where I felt like I could beat him. I felt like I was better than him, but I was <laughs> I was never really there. So um, that competitiveness was in, in any and everything growing up. It was, right. it was it was heated. We were fighting. Mom had to come out in the backyard, break up a lot of fights. Um, and then when we went off to college, it kind of it kind of died down. We became much better friends when we kind of got out of the household together because we weren't competing as much and um, it wasn't as heated. But those battles and those things are really a, the reason why I'm at where I'm at today because I kind of got an advantage of having an older brother who was always pushing me. If somebody always felt like I was close enough to, to get to his level and I was always chasing him. That's dope. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify has made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Mid-Liberty, you led all freshmen nationally in the average of points per game and broke the Big South Conference single-season score record as a freshman. What do you remember about that? What, was, what made you decide to go to Liberty? Honestly, I, w- I wasn't recruited heavily. I had probably two or three um, scholarship offers coming out of high school. I went to Liberty just because I had a great relationship with the head coach at the time, uh, Richie McKay. He I mean, he recruited me hard from, from the jump. Um, I knew I was going to come in and have an opportunity to play. And that's one of the biggest things. My pops and my high school coach was always telling me, go somewhere where you're going to have an opportunity to come in and play, not somewhere you're going to go in and sit on the bench for a couple of years and maybe get a chance to play later on. So um, I got in, got to learn, make some mistakes, and and got off to a quick start um, my freshman year. You rode number 30 at Liberty, the same number your dad and your older brother wore in their careers. You choose 30 like your father and your, your brother? That's why you got it? Yeah, yes, sir. You already know that's that's the family number. I, growing up, wanted want to be like my pops. And, I mean, when I got the chance to get it in high in college, and even when I get when I can in the NBA, uh, I'm going to wear 30 as much as possible. So is it is it a story your dad got behind the number, why he chose it? That's the same reason why y'all chose, y'all chose it? I don't even know. I think he told him this story once why he chose 30. It wasn't nothing, nothing memorable or nothing like that, so I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can, can, your, can your dad still hold his own in the shooting contest with y'all? Of course. Oh, no question. He can shoot it. You already know yeah. he can shoot it. He don't want to move around a lot. Um, <laughs> and he definitely ain't going to play us one-on-one. Nothing like that. I think when Steph beat him, I think he was in high school, Steph beat him one-on-one. That was the last time he played either of us in one-on-one. So it's, it's just horse games shooting competitions and and that that shooting touch is gonna go away. It don't matter. Yeah, he got he got a chance right. in them horse. He got a chance in horse. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, and he, gonna, and he gonna talk you. He gonna talk like those guys back in the day when he when he was playing, they trash talkers on a different level. So he gonna yeah. he gonna try to get in your head and that's another <laughs> element you gotta deal with. Yeah, that OG slick talk. Yes, sir. Yeah. So transferred to Duke for the rules you had to set out the 2009-2010 season. Uh, what was it like knowing that, okay, you did your thing at Liberty, you're getting a chance to go to Duke. What was that preparation like during that down year for you? That was a huge year for me because I got to test myself against the best team in the nation that year. They won, it, won the championship that year, the national championship. The guys like Nolan Smith, John Shire. Mm-hmm. Um, I was competing with them every day in practice, trying to get them ready for the games. But, I mean, Coach K, that's what he was telling me. These practices, these scrimmages are your – a year game situation, so I was I was testing myself. I was getting ready, getting stronger, and it, it kind of set set me up for my for my college career. What's it like playing for Coach K? Obviously, you know you hear a lot of different stories, but what sets him apart um, from other coaches? Obviously, his his pedigree and um, just the respect level that everybody has for him once they step on that campus is great. So you're gonna listen to everything he says, and uh, he gonna push you. I mean, every year he bringing in blue chips, five star recruits. He and he gonna coach everyone on the same push them to the limits you got a standard you got to live up to when you put on that duke jersey and it's about winning uh, at the end of the day so um if you earn his trust this that that says a lot and and fortunately i was able to do that while i was there and i mean i learned i i think back on stuff and 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 lessons that he taught us in practice and games that i still live by to the to this day 
Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned John Shire and Nolan Smith, uh, your redshirt year. The next year, Kyrie comes in. Yeah. You get to work with him. Uh, unfortunately, he gets hurt, but that opens an opportunity for you to be a starter. What was it like in his brief time? Because like I said, I know he was hurt, but getting a chance to work and go against Kyrie and having him as a teammate. Uh, he was a monster from day one. I mean, like we, he stepped on campus. And it was like, Kyrie, he's, he's nice. He's going to be the number one pick. We, we, you know, you had those, those preseason, uh, like scrimmages and pickup games. Mm -hmm. And from the first pickup game, I was like, yeah, he, he number one pick. He, he got a different, <laughs> it's cold, huh? yeah, he got a different level from, from, from everybody else that was there at the time. So, I mean, we had a squad and he, and he took it over from the jump. Obviously, he got hurt. Yeah. And we still, we still, he went down. We still won the, um, the AC championship that year. So that's the kind of talent the team we had and being, like I said, practicing against those guys. Um, at that time was, was huge for everybody's confidence. Who were some of the guys uh, on that team that went on to the league uh, with you? We were stacked. We had a squad, so it was <clears throat> Nolan Smith, he was drafted, uh, Kyle Singler, Ryan Kelly, Mason and Miles Plumley, Andre Dawkins. I mean, we had a legit seven, eight guys who, were, who had some time in the NBA on that team. So um, Was Austin Rivers there? Austin wasn't there. Austin came the next year. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they were, they were in and out. Hey, going into uh, 2013 NBA draft and being undrafted, I was drafted to second second to the last pick in the draft so that, you know, I, mm -hmm. I know what it feels like to be overlooked. But at the same time, you knew what you had to do, being that you had the, a father with experience, you know what I mean, that, yeah. that, can, that can help you in that time. What was your, yeah. what was your uh, thought process when you didn't get drafted? Uh, I mean, I had an injury, so that was a big part of not getting drafted and not... Um, having a chance to compete with guys during the pre-draft process. I had surgery right after my senior season, so I was rehabbing and stuff. But I knew if I, if I got healthy, I, I knew I had the talent and the, and the skill level to, to play in the NBA, obviously working with Steph in the summer, working on my game. I knew I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm working with Steph. I know I'm working with his, on his drills. I'm, I'll compete with him and shooting games. I'm like, if I'm, if I'm close to him, then I know it's a lot of guys in the league that, that can't mess with me. So like, that confidence level was... Was was sky high as far as that? It was just a matter of getting the opportunity to show I can I can play at that level. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, what's your experience like? Was you got to the D League? What was that experience like? G League, excuse was, me, G League. Yeah, it was D League back it, then. Nah, yeah, it was the D League at that time. But we were really in the D League, like playing in Santa Cruz, mm -hmm. playing in Erie. You gotta love the game to play it out there. Seen a lot of guys with talent that that quit because I mean it's it's a tough road, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just just working on my game. It was a big experience because I got to put the ball in my hands, got to learn the NBA system, play with the NBA three-point line, um, learn my game. It's completely different than, than college. It's just the pick and rolls, the sets. Um, it's a little bit of an adjustment. So, but instead of, like most guys who get drafted second round, even some guys in the first round, instead of sitting on the bench and not playing, um, I got to get those game reps, work on my game, and that's when I really knew I I could I could play at the NBA level if I really got an opportunity to. And it's a it's a roller coaster, you know, going from the G League to the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Getting the opportunity, and not really get a chance to play because people don't know your game. Like all that can be frustrating. Was it easier for you to be able to deal with all that and having that bumpy road, knowing that you had people with experience behind you to kind of you know what I'm saying give you advice so you won't panic if somebody else didn't have somebody in their ear? Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough. You I mean y'all know it's it's tough. Um, when you, you nobody, no team's really invested in you. You come up there, you might not play, get sent back down. Um, but yeah, my dad, my pops, one, one big thing, my pops came to a game and Eric watched me play. 
And he sat me down after afterwards, and he really put a battery in my back as far as saying, like, you can you can play at the, at the NBA level, you just got to get an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? He he, he honest dude. He going to be honest. If he, if, if he ain't see it in me, he would have been like, hey, just go overseas. You can make some good money and do your thing. You know what I'm saying? But he was he really kept that 100 with me. It was like, if you get an opportunity, you can play at the league. And, I mean, that was the toughest part is just waiting my turn. Like, yeah. like I said, I'm not drafted. Nobody invested a draft pick in me, money in me, and it, there's no reason for anybody to give me an opportunity to play at the NBA. Just, like I said, I just had to be patient, wait, and finally got the opportunity. That's what people don't understand is, like, once you get to that level, there's so many politics. Whether you're, a, you know, a, a late second-round pick like myself and Jack are not drafted yourself, they're invested in other people, so they're going to give them motherfuckers every single chance they have to succeed. So if you're a late mm-hmm. second round or not even drafted, there's a lot of guys that get washed out the league just not even getting a chance because a lot Facts. of people could play. But exactly. a lot of motherfuckers just business. don't get that chance, right? It's a yeah, straight like business. These, these, these front office, they got jobs tied into guys they drafted. Uh, so even if you you outplaying them and you can help the team win, it's like if this if this guy drafted first round don't pan out. You're going to make him look uh, bad. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Straight up. Talk about I kind of feel like your first real shot was with the Kings, your first obviously first guaranteed contract. What was it like finally really getting that, okay, I'm getting some real burn now. I'm getting to show my skill set. What was that experience like for you? Uh, that was big. That was huge. Uh, like I said, I got a guaranteed contract out there, so I knew I would eventually get a chance to play. And out there, me being being a guy, being around uh, Boogie at the time, Rudy Gay, just trying to trying to fit in, trying to find my role, and and yeah, I think we it kind of worked in my favor as far as we we were out of the playoffs late in the season. Guys were sitting down, the the vets, and they threw the young guys out there for like a 10, 15 game stretch where we were getting to play. And I had a I had a great stretch and really kind of solidified myself as far as being able to be a consistent player. So. Um, I mean, those those in the games, in the game, in the season games, I should say, uh, can make or break guys' careers too. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks. Yes, sir. I want to take a step back. You got a chance to play with Prime Boogie and Prime Embiid. Yeah. Who you taking? I know it's a tough question because you playing <laughs> with Embiid right now, but, I, but Boogie was a cold motherfucker. Nah, yeah, Boogie, Boogie was a monster. <laughs> I mean, he was, Boogie was a monster. They real similar. They both can handle the ball. Yeah. Um, I think Boogie played a little bit more on the perimeter, taking the ball off the dribble a little bit more than than Joel does, but he can do it. They both equal on the offensive end. I think Joel a little bit more dominant defensively as far as just holding down the paint, yeah, um, and just just really solidifying our whole defense. So <clears throat> yeah, I, I give Joe the edge right there. Ooh, yep. Two of the bigger shooting bigs I think we've ever seen. I was just telling Jack before you came on, we were doing our other show, like Embiid is doing it. It's crazy because I said I haven't seen no big do it since uh, Boogie, but taking dudes off the perimeter, mm-hmm. off the dribble, going into step backs and shot fakes and all this shit. Like with guards guard, I'm like, this dude is like over seven feet tall, like doing this shit with just that one foot lean back. I'm like, yo, this big yeah. motherfucker is cold, man. Special. Yeah. yeah, you got all that. You got You kind of got it. You got to have that now because – he began beat up in the, in the paint, and it's hard to score. And no matter how good you are, they let all that physicality go down. So if you really want to have an impact every night, you got to be able to step out and make some jump yes. shots every once in a while. Yes. But actually, I'm glad they started going back to that because for a minute, there was too many motherfucking co- – well, what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously it's changed a little bit this year about the refs not calling as many fouls. Are you thinking guys are just out there hacking, or is it kind of a steady balance? Or what are your thoughts on it? Because I felt like for a while it was too many whistles – now they're not as many whistles. Do you think they need to meet somewhere in the middle, or you kind of like where it's at right now? I, I I like it. I like it. But, I mean, 
it's kind of it kind of got out of hand where they weren't calling anything. They weren't protecting jump shooters. I'm getting hit on a getting hit on the wrist a, a little bit. So the refs they kind of changed the rules and the refs kind of ran with as far. We're gonna let any any and everything go on defense. <laughs> right. So that's why you saw some of those those scores being lowest, shooter percentage dropping. But yeah, I mean, like I said, with anything they gonna they gonna adjust. They are gonna hear feedback from the players and the coaches, and they. They trying to get it better, so uh, you see yeah. James James free throw starting to go back up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, guys, kind of getting back to themselves. Dame's getting back to himself. So it's just adjusting to the whistle. Yeah. Uh, as a shooter yourself, the ball change this year did that make any difference or any effect on you? Going from obviously Spalding for so many years now, it's Wilson. I don't think it affected me, but it's, it's different for sure. I mean, it's uh, it feels a little different. The leather a little different. It reacts on the rim differently, but. I mean, I was able to work with it all summer, kind of got used to it. So I don't think it affected my my game or my or my shot too much. 2016 to 18, you played with Dallas. I thought you were a great fit there. Uh, when we yep. asked you earlier, you thought Dallas had made a mistake. What was your biggest takeaway from uh, getting a chance to play in Dallas? Oh, I love Dallas. I love Dallas. Love the uh, love the city, the organization. They, I mean, playing for Rick uh, Carlisle, great office of mine. Uh, really knows the game, so he put me in a and he likes to play with with. His system, he he not scared to throw two guards out there that can that can make play two smaller guards. He played with, like I said, he played with Jay Kidd and and JJ Barrera a lot. It was me and JJ Barrera a lot. Me and Darren Williams. A lot of a lot of smaller guards out there who who were dynamic. So he put me in good positions. Really gave me an opportunity to to make some plays and show what I could do too. And yeah, elevated my game to another level. So uh, I mean, I, I love Dallas. That's why I still live in the off season. So. Um, it was, it was huge for my career. Uh, after the season, you go to the Trailblazers. What was it like, you know, speaking of two guards playing in? I mean, they had you you guys, threw you guys in there as three guards sometimes. What was it like playing alongside CJ and Dame in Portland? That was probably the best year, uh, most fun year of my career. We obviously made it to the to the Western Conference Finals. Um, mm. But that team, that team was so locked in. We had veterans. We had young guys who were good. We had, I mean, we had from top to bottom, we had a, a uh, really underrated roster. So uh, just being able to compliment Dame and CJ um, that entire year, learn from them, add some stuff that they do to my game was, was huge for me. And, I mean, it all culminated in – everybody knew their roles in that team, and it all culminated on that, that playoff run that we had. Obviously ran into the Warriors who, who got us up out of there. But, yeah. I mean, that was, that, was a, that was a great season. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people don't understand how good – Obviously, I, I really liked your team, but, you know, there was a, a good three-year stretch where, where Portland was one of the better teams in the league, but they kept running into the Warriors. You know yeah. I mean? They had a hell of a team, and, and I think they've kind of digressed since then. But Portland, I mean, particularly that year, you guys were loaded. Like you said, I think it was definitely an under an undervaluated team because you guys had depth as well. I like the coach. You guys played hard, and it's funny you said everyone knew their role. You guys, everyone played their role to a T, so... What was it like actually running into your brother in the playoffs with your mom and dad in the stands? One has one jersey, one has the other. What was it like? I mean, thinking of all the battles and the fights as youngsters, and now you guys both have a chance to go to the finals. What was it like playing against your brother in that kind of opportunity? I mean, I was, it was, that was fun, man. That was a, that was a series where I always remember because, I mean, we're on the, the biggest stage, Western Conference Finals, playing against my brother, playing against the best team in the league for the past few years. Um, and just going at it, competing. We, we were matching up against each other, guarding each other. It's, I mean, stuff you dream about. And it's, it's always weird when we play Steph and them because, I mean, 
for 82 games out the year, I want him to play well. I want I want to see them win. But when we strap them up and play against each other, it's the opposite. I'm going out there trying mm-hmm. to trying to shut them down. I want to see them lose. We compete and it gets nasty. So um, it's a weird dynamic. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Obviously, we don't want to make this a Steph interview, but, you know, your brother has just made some, you know, amazing historical accomplishments um, so we definitely want to touch on that. What was it like? What was your kind of some of your fondest memories growing up in Badland? Obviously, it just got a chance to culminate, and hopefully, it'll reach. You guys will get a chance to see each other on the biggest stage one day. But growing up, kind of the little brother with you know Steph, and then your dad being who he was. What were some of the most inspirational or kind of funny things that you guys used to get into or do? I mean, any and everything. Like any any brothers, any siblings who are close in age. I mean, we're tied to the hip, following my my pops around as much as possible and really find anything to compete at, anything to, to have some fun with, waste time, get, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I mean, like you say, he brought the record, whatever. I feel like he, he, he deserves it. You know what I'm saying? He, the work he put in over time, the, uh, the way he changed the game, the way he, he pushed the envelope as far as people complaining about maybe we shooting too many threes. Is he doing, he taking crazy shots, but he, he, I mean, he stick to it. He, he, that's who he's always been. Honestly, that's it from, from middle school to high school, whatever. That's a, he always played the game the same way. So that's a record that he deserves to have, and I think that's why um, everybody made it such a big deal all week. You know what I'm saying? Like last last time when Ray broke the record, I mean, I, I remember I remember hearing about it, but I don't think it was this big a deal. No, like, I'm like every time every time I turn on TV, I see, I see is he breaking a record today? I'm like, 
it ain't the all-time scoring record. It's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> I think it's because of who he is, and it's, it's, it's the guy. Like, he's the guy who should have this record. Yep, yeah, he transcended the game. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, what was it like, you know, we spoke on your dad, we spoke on your brother. What was it like kind of getting out of both their shadows and being recognized as not Steph's brother no more, but actually recognized as your own man because you're out there actually putting that work that, that, that earns you the respect you deserve? Uh, yeah, it feels good to, to uh, people look at me who who I am, look at my my individual game and what I've what I've accomplished over my career. Just kind of get that recognition feels good. But I mean, for me, I I never really pay attention to it. Even if I'm if I'm not, I always look to Steph's brother or, or Dale's son. No matter what it is, I'm confident in my own skin and the stuff that kind of built for it. That stuff both of us had to deal with a whole life growing up in Charlotte, being son of an NBA player who played there for ten years. It's like if you don't got tough skin and and able to deal with it, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna make it. It's gonna be a hard life. So, kind of built for the for the the scrutiny, the eyes, and it's just part of it. I'm like I said, I'm comfortable with my skin. And I know who I am as a player, um, first and foremost. Married to Kelly Rivers, Doc's daughter. What is that like playing for your your wife's dad in the NBA? <laughs> T, tell me how is that, bro? <laughs> Nah, it's cool, man. It's cool. Doc, Doc, a, a solid dude. Man, he's cool as they come. You know what I'm saying? When I when I got traded there, Callie was probably the maddest one. She didn't want, she didn't want, not want the deal to go down. She did not want me playing for her pops. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it happened, and and I mean it's been smooth selling pretty much. Doc, I mean like I said, I say, you know he cools the cucumber. He's gonna coach you the same way. Listen yeah. to feedback. It's probably easy on Doc because he had the coaches his own son, right. so his right. actual son. So, yeah, so it's like I know walking apart for him. Yeah, that right. shit was I crazy. Agree. We was on that team where he got – we signed him. Uh, yeah. New Orleans had let him go, and we had signed him. And uh, coming to L.A. of all places, too, and it was just like – and he took a lot because, he obviously, you know, he gave Austin the deal and everything. So I couldn't imagine yeah. that pressure of having to coach your son. So probably your guys' dynamic, like you said, is a lot easier than him, him having to actually coach his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ain't worried about it. <laughs> right. What other hobbies you got? What what's your what a day off look like for you? Besides daddy duty. Yeah, besides daddy duty now, I'm I'm low key as they come and I'm chilling, watching TV shows, playing playing more golf, trying to keep up, you know what I'm saying, getting better and better at, at golf. Change the diapers? A little bit. I changed a few <laughs> of them. They be putting me to work a little bit, so uh yeah. that's something I gotta I gotta do. But uh yeah, I'm 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 laying low, keeping keeping it at the crib and locked in on the TV shows. Question real quick. Obviously, being a father of young kids, I had to learn the hard way because I had went from nothing to twins. And I know I wore myself out personally trying to help and, and help with feedings at night and everything. You guys have help so that, you know, when you when you yeah. need to rest, you can help or you can rest? Yeah, we do got help. That's the, I mean, so we got the, the living nanny, night okay. nurse. Yep. So uh, it's expensive, but it's the best money spent because you get that sleep. It's uh, priceless. Yeah, I mean, this is we on the road a lot, so I mean, having yeah. two kids in the house now is a different, it's a whole different animal. So you don't want to leave it back there by itself. Absolutely. And you got, and you got grandma and grandpa not too far. Yeah, I can't forget them. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I got, I got to show them a lot of love because they come in and help, help too, and um, especially with the older one. Did you know you currently have the second highest career three point field goal percentage? In NBA history, right up under Steve Kerr and yeah, your brother. Yeah, and your brother is within 10. How does that feel? Okay. 
Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it, it feels good. I mean, I pride myself on on being efficient, just being able to do my job every night and and shoot just a shooting ass family. I just a shooting ass family, babe. I was about to I say tried, that, man. bro. Like they shoot the shit out the ball, and then they got two. They got they got two. He got he got one, and then Steph got one. It's just like that shooting lineage is going to continue to carry. I hope so. I would pass down because they're going to be a tall one too. <laughs> yeah, right. Cali's tall. That's right. We all know the goal is to get a championship ring, but how do you reflect on your journey back then to the present day? I live in a moment. I don't take it for granted just being here for, what, seven, seven eight years already, um, playing playing in the league. Uh, I mean, obviously, you got a lot more I want to accomplish than one of those being a championship and a, and a long playoff runs. But, um, I, like I said, being undrafted, being having no scholarship offers coming out of, out of college, I mean, out of high school, I mean, I dream of being in this position and, and playing every day, so I don't take it for granted. I live in the moment, and and like I said, I take it year by year. Got to keep going, keep getting better, and that's 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 the league, man. You got to you got to keep adding to your game because uh, it's new, it's new crops coming in every year. Every day, yeah. I, I definitely want to salute you though, go bro, because your shit was a slow grind, and I remember playing against you towards the end of my career, and you were gritty mm -hmm. as a motherfucker, like tough. I remember I was trying to bully you underneath, and you elbowed me back. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this little motherfucker got some heart. I like that, but your grind was slow. You know, obviously with who your dad was and, and your brother's success, and like I said, you had a lot of confidence in yourself when you said that. I thought that was big because you had every reason to derail off the tracks, you know, mm -hmm. from the pressure and, and all the outside noise, but your grind and your improvement and, you know, that shit, like Jack said, you're number two all time in the history of the league, which is incredible, man. So we just want to salute you, man, for your grind and, yes, sir. and sticking to it because it's a beautiful thing to see. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of people in your position probably could have tapped out, but you kept your head down and kept grinding, man. And now you're making a beautiful career and a beautiful living for yourself, man. So we definitely want to salute you on that, bro. Uh, no, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things, the biggest things in that is just being adapt, trying to find your niche in the league, man. You know, Matt, especially uh, like trying to find a role on the team. If you're not gonna be a star player, you gotta you gotta get the the stars to like you, and yep. you gotta be you gotta be able to play with them. Yeah, because I mean, no matter what, you can complain about them. Those dudes making the max five year deals, they ain't going nowhere. So you gotta right. you gotta fit in, and you gotta adjust. And just being around the league, I was able to watch watch my pops first and foremost do it for 16 years, mm -hmm. and 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 never be a starter. And, and watch a lot of other role players just, just find a niche and, and figure it out. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that's one thing that I remember that always stuck with me that Doc said. Is, I don't know if he says around your team, but being a star in your role. I mean, yeah. there's plenty. You know, everyone's got a role to play, man, and every part is important and, and be a star in that role. And, you know, like like you said, you know, that was something that I was able to play until I didn't want to play. And although I bounced around, like I always started, I was always the top two guys off the bench, and it was really kind of just finding your niche. And once you find your niche and you get to perfect that, mm -hmm. you can play as long as you want, man. And that's something you've definitely done, man. So, again, hats off to you. All right, quick hitters. First thing to come yeah. to mind, let us know. What was your welcome to the NBA moment? My welcome to the NBA moment, I got, oh, all right, yeah. I, so I, I'm i in a D-League. My first year I'm in a D-League, I get caught up. Uh, it's one of the deals where I caught up that same day and I got to suit up. So I'm suit up from Memphis. We playing um, the Rockets. This is James, James Harden Rockets. And, you know, he, 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 he hunting, trying to find a matchup. I get out there, I ain't even broke a sweat yet. I'm I'm ISO with James. I got James <laughs> ISO. He handling the ball, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'm here now. So uh, that's, yes, sir. That's, a, that's a good welcome to the to the league that's moment. Dope. That's dope. That's dope. 
You going to the blacktop, right? You going to the blacktop. You and your brother. What three other players you gonna bring to hold y'all down? Oh, to the blacktop. Yeah, you and your brother. Past or present. So I'm got my number one guy. My guy T Mac. I got T Mac. Um, mm-hmm. That was my favorite player growing up. T Mac. Give me, give me Shaq. Ooh. Yeah, give me Shaq. I mean, come on, give me MJ. So we got me, Steph, MJ, <laughs> T Mac, and Shaq. We're gonna we're gonna spread it out. I think y'all. Y'all gonna, yeah, y'all gonna take <laughs> over the blacktop. Y'all super straight with that. Uh, yeah. Which album can you listen to on repeat with no skips? I mean, it's it's a light skin answer, but I'm give give me a. Go ahead. We want them Usher Confessions albums, man. Ooh, that's a good call. He said you was young when that shit first came out. I was, I was. We were still riding around in yes, sir. Middle, middle school, high school, listening to it, though. So. That's, that's classic. That that's a classic that right there. Fast. That album was banging. He said, it's a light you, skin answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> if, you, hey, if you could sit courtside to relive any game in history, which one would mm. it be and why? Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. Any game in history? Give me the uh, give me one of those Kobe Kobe Finals games. Probably against the, mm-hmm. against the Celtics. One of them Kobe's final games against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Those those were some matchups that were 2010, right? Yeah, 2010. Yeah, yeah. Those are good. Those are good. I was at I was at the I mean, obviously I was at the Warriors uh, Cavs game seven. That was that was some high level basketball. So Ooh, that was good. Basketball. That, was, that was a good one too. Yes, it was. Uh, five dinner guests, dead or alive. Shoot. Give me Muhammad Ali. Mm. Ali, Tiger Woods, Obama. Obama. Give me Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, oh. Malcolm X. Give me Denzel Washington. Oh, that's a dope dinner. Black that's X. a dope yeah, dinner gonna, right there. Yeah, I'm going to roll with them. I'm going to bring the weed. I'm hanging out anyway. It's, it's, it's my show. <laughs> I'll bring the wine. I'll bring the wine. There you go. Yes, sir. Last but not least, bro, if you could have one guest on our show, who would you want to see? But you got to help us get your answer on this show. There you go. Put them to work. I'm, I, I don't know if y'all have, y'all have Muggsy Bogues on yet. No, oh, solid. No, no we have it. Muggs, we have it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's my, my guy, his son, my best friend, so... Yeah, plug that. Happen, but yeah, yeah. I, Muggs, I know he got, he got some stories. Story. I know he do. Yeah. yeah, he a legend, man. Yeah, I want to. I want to ask him about the time Jordan had him on the block and he was holding Jordan up, like what he was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> Mug, Mug tell all them stories, man. He he was a he he that dude, man. Five three playing in the league for as long as he did. I don't know how he five did. Five three, bro. Insane. Like that's not people. That's not exaggeration. He five three. Yeah, yeah, little too. In in an mm-hmm. era where it was physical as a motherfucker too. Facts. Facts, man. Well, Seth, man, we appreciate your time during this holiday season. Yes, uh, best of luck to your team, to the family, yes, the newborn. And, man, God bless. And, and have a yes, prosperous sir. 2022, bro. Much love, bro. Hey, we Jack, appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Jack, I got to tell you this. So, um, um, Steph, I remember Steph rookie year, he out there um, in the Bay messing with y'all. You know what I'm saying? You got to get out there. I'm like, yo, who who you mess with? Who you mess with on the team out there? It's like his first... A week or two, he's like you know, I rock with I rock with Stack, man. He he 
he a cool dude. I rock with Steph. Like Steven Jackson. Like he, yeah, ain't he an asshole. People, <laughs> what you mean? Yeah, asshole. No way. I'm like, nah, he real. I don't know what people talking about. I, I mess with him, so. I had to let you know that, man. Showing, oh, that, oh, showing, that's dope, bro. Showing them love from day one. That's dope. Yeah. Man, that, that, man, that's dope, bro. I appreciate you. And then Jack yes, wanted to be traded because he didn't believe in your brother, but that's crazy as hell. Yeah, I'm, yeah I was watching like Stack, <laughs> Stack, Stack guy. He just got kicked out of the game before the game started. What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, ima- hey, right, um, hey, imagine if we had Steph just for like as a rookie on that We Believe team. He might be mm-hmm. different now. He might be, he might be tatted right. up. Yeah, I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he would definitely have some tattoos, bro. He would for sure have <laughs> some tattoos. Hey, hey, hey. And then he might he might have an earring or two, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah be, hey, Seth, man, different. we appreciate you, bro, man. Best of luck the rest yes, of the way, sir. and we'll talk again. Have a good one. All right, appreciate it, fellas. Hey, right, hey yeah, tell, tell Pops I say what up, too, because I had I played against Pops. Tell Pops I say what up. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, for sure. That's a wrap. Seth Curry. All the smoke. You can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube or the iHeart platform, Black Effects. We'll see y'all next week. This is All the Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The, I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.